I've always wondered why I never saw a hypnotized person in the storefront window. Now I know it's against the law. Well, it really is great to be with you. And I, I uh, will have question and answer time. So I'm happy to answer questions about NCS at the end. But I want to do for you what I hope happens every time you're together. And that is somebody shares their story. And uh, so I thought I'd share Matt's story because it's really a mess. And uh, I can't believe it, really. It's an unbelievable story. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit of my own story. And by the way, whenever anybody shares their story and they start with the day they were born, you can be assured it is going to go way too long. Uh, I was born December 3rd, 1964 in Seattle, Washington. And uh, it was an interesting birth in that I was born breech. We don't see breech-born babies anymore, you know, when they get in there and they see it's coming out feet first. They, they twist it around or they do a C-section and get the baby out. But back then, they didn't know until they saw the feet. Or for my situation, it was the foot. I was a one-legged-born baby, one-legged breech, which by the name I, I, is the name of my future grunge band in Seattle. One-legged breech just sounds like a great grunge band name. Maybe I'll be in that museum. And um, it was uh, a difficult birth, and attending to it was a Catholic midwife, as happened in the day. And when I came out, I was born blue. I was born dead, and my mom was a nurse, and when that happened, what a Catholic midwife would do is they would mark you with the cross of Christ in that moment. They would dedicate that dead baby to Jesus. So sure enough, she marked me with the Christ in that first moment, and uh, my mom knew what that meant. She started wailing, crying, and, and the, this, this room that was to be a celebratory room all of a sudden became an emergency room. Doctors streamed in, nurses streamed in. And uh, this was 1964. I'm almost 59 years old. They take me and they go hot water, cold water, hot. There was no, I don't know, maybe there's no electricity back then or something, but they hot water, cold water to shock me back into life. And spoiler alert, I survived. So, and uh, through the interview process, they didn't find any lasting damage. That's a good thing. But uh, the thing that saved me is that one legged breach. The other leg was shooting up along, I can't do it anymore, but it was shooting up here along my body and the umbilical cord was around my neck and around my leg and that saved my life. Of course, nobody, of course, nobody wants to be born dead. Nobody wants to see a baby born dead. But who wouldn't want to be marked in your very first moment with the mark of Jesus? Committed to Christ. I've always had a strong sense that God has me. You know, there's that, there's that ad campaign right now, He's Got Us on TV and stuff, and it's certainly true, and I'm, I'm a big advocate, and they've supported us, but I really believe God has me. I haven't, I've maybe committed my life to Him, but He's way more committed His life to me and pursuing after me. And gentlemen, here's the deal for you today, and I, I, think that I know this is true for each of us. I just know it's true because our God is not a God of confusion. He'll speak through a burning bush. He'll speak through a donkey. He'll even speak through that guy to your right and to your left. He, <laughs> don't confuse that with the donkey. He wants you to know his love and his commitment to you. And he's put that in your life from the very beginning of time. 
And it may be that you're named after a grandfather that was an incredible minister to the Lord. Or maybe you were conceived when your parents didn't think they could have a child. Or maybe you were born in a special period of, of your family's history. There's all kinds of stuff that could happen. But most of us have that in our life. And we've never taken the time to just stop and think, God, what have you placed in my life so that I could know that sovereign foundation that I know you're committed to me? In fact, it's Friday. I love Fridays as well. Uh, I take some time this weekend if you got a chance and just think about that. God, what is it? What, what was it in my life? If your parents are still alive, ask them, ask an aunt. There's, there are stories in your life. I'm thankful for my story. I'm thankful for that day I was born that way. I'm, I'm thankful I survived. But I am more thankful than anything that, that that commitment was made in that moment by that wonderful Catholic nurse who I'll never know, that midwife. I wish that was my worst day, but it actually got worse when I went home. Both my parents were active alcoholics. Dad was a violent drunk. Fortunately, he never uh, came after me in any way. And But mom was the walk around with a glass of water all day, but it was really a tumbler of vodka or gin or something like that. And um, alcoholism has been in my family since that day. My sister just died a year ago from cirrhosis of the liver, which is just like I, dumbfounding to me how that, because that doesn't come up on you. It's not like that just springs on you. Oh, hi, I got cirrhosis of the liver. She knew it was coming. She knew my parents' history. And so alcohol has been in my, alcoholism has been in my family. I'm blessed that it's not been an uh, addictive issue for me, but there's, I've got other issues. But I came home to a, a household uh, with both parents that were drunks, and they stopped drinking, finding AA when I was seven years old, seven or eight years old in that range. So my memory of my household is a dry household, like no alcohol at all, ever. Situations. I remember coming home one day and hearing something downstairs, a ruckus. And I go downstairs and my dad is, is hitting my mom. And I have to get in the middle of it and break it up. And, and the next day, my mom comes up to me and goes, Mason, thank you for doing that. If that happens again, I need you to step in because I'm afraid your dad's going to kill me. And I was seven or eight years old or younger when that happened. I can't, I, in the moment, you don't even think about those things. It's just the environment you live in. I think that's what every kid's dealing with. It wasn't until I had my own children and they were seven or eight. And I thought, how could I ever have handled that? Now, here's the deal. I don't know what your upbringing was like. My, my parents owned a restaurant. It was, it's funny because it's a lot like this place. Old school steakhouse that they owned. They, they were members of a country club. These are all my memories of just this. We were community leaders and this place a really living room but my foundation was that. And I could disqualify myself for ministry. I could disqualify for all the stuff God had for us in the restaurant and in our community because of that foundation. And I'm just wondering if there's things in your life that you've been through, that your family's been through that you go, well, that, you know, that rules me out. I can't leave. And, and that's 
like you were talking about today, that's way easy to do as a man today. Well, I'm not going to go there because of toxic masculinity. I don't want to be canceled. I, what if they find out about that? If I step forward, that may, I, there might be more. I want to remind you that our Lord Jesus was an immigrant. I want to remind you that the, our Lord's mother was an unwed teen pregnant woman. Scandalous. And yet he led. And the other thing about Jesus that's amazing is that the words that were spoken over him, even before he was born, those marks in his life, uh, Mary's aunt Elizabeth singing a song about her pregnant niece and how that must have been shared at the dining room table for Jesus over time. Jesus, you would not believe what Mary said about you before you were even born. So incredible. In fact, I even wonder if at times they, they talked about the challenges that it was. Like if Jesus was aware, remember Jesus was 100%, he's 100% God for sure. He's also 100% man. He was 100% boy. I wonder if he sat at the table and they talked about that journey. And I wonder if they talked about Mary's situation and the challenges. We, friends, we all have those challenges in our life. Our Lord had those challenges in, our, in their life. Do not let you do not let yourself be disqualified from ministry because of that. Do not let yourself be disqualified from leadership. You've probably made mistakes with your very own children if you have them. I, I'm, sure not, I'm sure all of you have perfect marriages, but for me, I've made some mistakes in my marriage. Don't disqualify for yourself for leadership in your house because that one time. You need to lead. We need our country our society, uh, Wyckoff needs you to lead. So please lead. The, the, the uh, adult, adult children of alcoholics, when you're a child and that growing up as a, uh, with, with adult alcoholics around, you have to learn how to cope. And my coping mechanism in the 70s, which was pretty common, was my dad had a stack of pornography in the house. Don't know why he had a stack of pornography. And honestly, in the 70s, I mean, it's not hard to find pornography now, but back then, I don't, I don't know how it was so easy to find pornography. I can remember one buddy, his, he, his mom was married about seven times. He was the best man at my wedding. He, he had a, one of the stepdads that came through had a magazine display of Playboys in the family room. And we were like 11, 12, or 13. I'm like, what is going on? I think back on that, I'm like, that just is insanity. Um, although we all now carry machines that could do a lot of the same thing, let's be honest. I don't want to go down that stream because you, you'll hear that talk a lot. What I, wa I want to talk about my unique uh, perspective on it, which is when I leaned into pornography in that part of my life, it became, I became, I started to become a transactionary person. Because when you look at uh, pornography, you're looking at a two-dimensional image, literally. You're not seeing the depth of the person. You, you don't, you don't smell them. You don't hear their voice. You don't know their history. You don't talk about their dad and their siblings and their sisters and their best friends and what they do probably. You just are in a transaction. And if you build that pattern early on in your life, that could go everywhere in your life. And you just start transact all the time. Transact at the store, transact in business, transact in your marriage, transact with your kids. It's all about what do you got for me and what do I take rather than thinking transformationally. 
And one of the things I think men need to do today, all of us need to do today, is think about transformation over transaction. So when you're talking to that barista, yeah, you're going to get a coffee and yeah, you're going to give her about $12 because we're Starbucks and we need those $12 in Seattle. But I want you to think about what, how can I bless that gal behind the counter, the, the tattoos and the piercings and the, the pronouns and the whole thing. How, how am I going to do that today? To think transaction? No, think transformation. And that's been huge for me to continue to think about that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't struggle with porn today. I suppose I, I would uh, or with lust. But what I struggle with today for sure is uh, being transactionary. It will happen to me at the airport today. I will see a guy and he'll have nice shoes on. And I'll go, wow, those are nice shoes. I like those shoes. That must be a good guy. Shoes don't have any. It could be a total. It could be another one of those donkeys. It doesn't mean anything he has nice shoes, but that's transactionary thinking. One more piece to this of my story. What's, what really saved me out of all of that was a church that I grew up in that my Nana took me to, this little Lutheran Brethren Church in Linwood, Washington. Mostly a Scandinavian mission sending agency more than a church, but great men and women. In fact, on the plane right out here, this is no lie, a guy on the plane I grew up with at that church, flying the red eye into Chicago. I, I've been traveling east for a while this week. But that church saved my life. Bunch of Norwegian people teaching me how to say my fingers in Norwegian and count Norwegian, but also praying for me. They're probably praying for me in Norwegian. I thought it was tongues, early charismatic movement, but no, it was just Norwegian. But I can remember leaving that church one day. I'm, I'm eight or nine years old. So the alcohol, alcoholism had just ended. And it was one of those churches when you leave, you shake the pastor's hand on the way out. You remember those days? Those days are kind of missing now in our mega church movement. You don't even know the pastor, but the pastor knew everybody. And we're shaking hands and we're getting there. And Pastor Dave, who actually just died during COVID, not from COVID, but in that season, they had his funeral this uh, last year. And I was the only non-family member to have the chance to speak at it. Pastor Dave stops my mom and he, he's, he's shaking her hand. And he looks down at me and he looks at my mom and he goes, Louise, I want Mason to go to Bible camp this year. A Bible camp. I mean, that's where the that's where the big kids went. I was only eight or nine. You had to be 10 to go to Bible camp. I wasn't even near old enough to go to Bible camp. Pastor, I'm not old enough. I'm not qualified, not near age. So my mom knows this. She says to the pastor, well, Pastor Dave, Mason's only nine. He can't go to Bible camp yet. It's 10. He goes, yeah, I know that. I want to get him in early because I think God has a plan for Mason's life. Says that to a child. And you know how I, how I received that in my heart? It was 100%. Yep, he's right. I mean, God just affirmed it in my heart and life right there. Gentlemen, who did that in your life? Again, you may not have thought about this, and it's important to think about these things. You need these rocks built as an altar, these rocks of remembrance for these guys and men, hopefully, that have spoken into your life in powerful ways. As a, as, a, as a child of an alcoholic, every Thanksgiving, I go down and I list all the men that have spoken into my life as a child, and it is a long list because you need those men in your life. And I guarantee you, you don't need alcoholic parents to need that in your life. It could be a teacher, a coach, an elementary school teacher, a neighbor, a friend's dad, but there's these guys that spoke into your life in powerful ways. Don't forget those words. 
Remember that affirmation in your heart and in your mind when you received it. Like, yeah, that's true. Because the devil wants to squash that out. He doesn't want you to remember those great words that are spoken in your life. They're still being spoken today, but they're harder to hear. But you And they, they don't receive with the same softness of a child's heart. Remember those. Need you to remember those. And then I need you, guys, do the same thing. Do it today. And I know when God, I know that this weekend, God is going to push your heart and push your mind and tell you to do it. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to do the same thing I do. Oh, I don't want to be a weirdo. I, my kids, I mean, my own adult Christian children say to me, dad, don't be a weirdo. I don't want to be canceled. I don't, I don't want to be overbearing. I'm an old white man. I got gray hair. I'm six foot one. I'm, I'm, I got all everything against me today in the world. I've also got everything for me. That's a whole different topic. But what am I going to do with that? Am I going to, when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm on the plane today and I'm, and I'm encouraging my heart happened to me yesterday. I'm on this little commuter plane from Grand Rapids and the flight attendant was awesome. She was so kind. We're talking. And God said, to, God said to me, and she, she was from Queens, going home to Queens. And, and he said to me, encourage her. She's done a great job. You know what I did? I mean, I talked to her, but I didn't encourage her. I mean, he told me as much as God speaks to me, and these aren't words, I mean, it's just a sense, but he said, you need to ask her, why is she flying this commuter flight when she's so awesome at this job? She should be long hauling to Hawaii every week. She should be going to Europe. You're doing a great job. You got a great, you got, you got a gift here. I'm going to be here talking about it today and encourage you to do it, but I didn't even do it yesterday. It's hard. I know it, but God almighty help us. Cause we need this in our world today. We need men that are willing to lay down my own pride, my own possibility of being weird and serve. When our Lord came to earth, and invited people to dinner. He didn't take the seat at the head of the table. He grabbed a knee. He grabbed a towel and he started washing feet. Man, you got beautiful feet. These feet are made to run. These feet are made to serve. I can't imagine what the conversations are like. How can you do that today? Don't get down and wash feet because COVID and everything, but serve and love people well, just with your words. I need to do that today. You know, it, it, so that's that's my story up to a point, but you want to know a little bit about how I ended up here today in this role. And uh, Tim Vickers, who some of you may know, he's a New York guy. He's been a friend for a long time. He uh, recommended me for this job. And I wasn't looking. I loved what I was doing in Seattle with C3 leaders. Seattle needs massive transformation. Pray for the left coast. It's a mess. Seattle is... I mean, trains hitting each other, that'd be nothing compared to what's going on out there. Let the trains go. We got to get people together. And, and in Seattle, with business leaders and C-suite execs, we're starting to see transformation. And we st and still are. Every Thursday that I'm in town, I pray with a group of, of men and women business leaders downtown Seattle, outside, in the public square. It's awesome. Um, so I had no interest in leaving. Loved my job. Loved what I was doing. The board chair just told me, we want you here for the rest of your work in life. And uh, there we go. I get this call from New Canaan Society. I was familiar with New Canaan Society. I kind of ran a thing in my house that was New Canaan Society, but nobody knew it. And um, I just did, you know, what happens? They didn't, I didn't know what to do. 
probably happens today. God bless you. Go do it. And um, so I said, I, I'm, I love what I'm doing. I'm not interested, but I, I've done, I've helped out a lot of nonprofits. I'm glad to help you out. So I started engaging with the guys and my wife was like, that's not our style. We, we like to just dive in and try it out. Let's see what happens. So I said, okay, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And went through a process, 63 candidates, on again, off again. There was three times where I said to my wife, don't pray about it anymore. Don't think about it. It's not going to happen. I'm not even worried about it. Told my kids that at Christmas a year ago. Uh, it's not going to happen. And then uh, January of this year, it got hot and heavy. February, I interviewed and got a job offer at the end of that. And I had a weekend to think about it. That weekend, I was going to Vancouver, B.C., for a, a business and faith conference. I got up there early at the Marriott Bay Shores to just pray and take some time to think. And I'm reading Isaiah at the time. I've done Bible study fellowship for many years and we were studying Isaiah last year. And as I'm reading Isaiah, it's, it's about fear. And, I, and as I'm reading that, I realize I'm full of fear. I have this revelation, I'm full of fear. Now I've been in Seattle praying against fear, because fear can be an emotion for sure, but fear can also be a spiritual attack. And in Seattle, around COVID, we have had fear. You guys know about COVID? I know it's was, it was a big thing in New York, with, but over here, it was like a weekend. Um, I don't know what it was like here. It's serious, I know, but it, in Seattle, we're still fear. I mean, there's still fear about it today. And it's, it's, it's a spiritual deal going on. There's 100%. And I've been praying against it with some buddies all the time. In fact, one guy, he owns an insurance business in town. He, Because we got people leaving all over the place in Seattle. They're going to Scottsdale, Nashville, Dallas, Palm Springs. They're just getting out of Seattle because they're, they're scared. So this buddy of mine printed up these T-shirts. And when he hears somebody's leaving, he goes, you want small, medium, or large? And they'll tell him size. And the front of the shirt says quitter. So it's subtle. It's just a little deal. Um, it's a spiritual gift. But I've been praying against fear. And now I'm swimming in fear. I'm like, what is the deal? I'm fearful of NCS. I don't know what it exactly means. What is it? What's it going to be like in Bergen County? Can I really eat that whole sandwich without having a heart attack? All these things. I, I'm also fearful about leaving C3 leaders because I, we're doing great. I don't want the organization to fail. And I'm going to look like I'm leaving Seattle. I'm going to be the very thing that I've been been. Uh, raving against and so i've just got fear all over me and i'm having this cup of coffee and the waitress comes up to me and she goes you're gonna order breakfast i said no just the coffee and i got to get to this conference because pay for the coffee she goes you're not having breakfast i said yeah i'm not having breakfast she goes you didn't even drink the coffee i said yeah but i want to pray for it. i got a backup because i missed a part of the story as i'm reading that and i'm swimming in fear uh god impresses upon my heart i mean there's just no doubt about it he says i got you I got you. I had you the day you were born. I had you in that drunk household. I had you when you were swimming in lust. I had you when that pastor grabbed you by the hand. I've got you. I've had you all the time, and I got you now. You can't go wrong. And there was just no doubt in my heart and my mind. He's got me. He's got me. I mean, there's really even a sense. It's like, what, what, am I, what, what, what can I do wrong? I had that confidence a little bit like... Um, the rich young ruler, what lack I yet? I mean, there's just this, but it was a holy confidence. The server comes up to me and says, uh, the coffee. And I say, I got to pay for it. And she looks at it and, and she says, it's, it's, it's no lie. Same words, same tone, same in a nation, in, in a nation. Just like three minutes later, she says, 
I got you. I mean, it was a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. God did not want me to be confused. By the way, he does that with you guys all the time. He does not want you to be confused. And I thought, he's got me. I was so giddy. I mean, she walks away. And so then now I'm in the faith work space. I, I want to I want to tell her what happened. I don't know this woman. I'm in a foreign country. So I'm, I find her. I'm like, hey, can I? And she's running around trying to help people. Can I tell you what just happened? And she's looking at me like, I just bought you a $2 Canadian cup of coffee. It's really not that big of a deal. It wasn't that good of a cup of coffee. And, and I said, no, I, I have this job offer and I got a lot of fear about it. And she turns to me and she goes, fear is real. Okay, now it's, I'm like, okay, now it's on. And she's got, she has a pretty heavy accent, I, Russian or Ukrainian. I, and I'm, I'm like, yeah. And she goes, especially for people our age. And, and I look at her and she looked like she was in her late 40s. And I'm like, yeah, our age. <laughs> it was, I'm like, okay, that was definitely spiritual. This is definitely God affirming me. And, and I said, yeah. And she goes, fear is real. And I told her the story and, and she almost started, we almost had this tearful moment. In fact, I walked away because I'm Scandinavian. I don't want any tearful moments. So I had to get out of there as fast as possible. So I go home and the whole time, my wife Brenda has been praying that if we're to take the job, the doors would be open. And if we're not to take the job, doors will be closed. I come home and I said, Brenda, we got to talk about the job. I got to give them an answer by Monday. Here's my SWOT analysis. Here's my pros, cons. Here's my list. Here's the things I've been thinking about. Here's my journal entries. Let's talk about it. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, the New Canaan Society job. Come on, sit down at the table, honey. I got my SWOT analysis, pros. I don't, I don't understand what we're doing here. I got to give them, a, I got to answer the, here's my stuff. And she goes, Mason, I told you, if the doors are closed, we're not going to take it. If the doors are open, we're going to take it. So what are you talking about? I was so thankful she left out the F word when she said that. Because <laughs> it was that tone for sure. And I thought, what am I talking about? God's got us. We've been praying for this. So I accepted the job and then here I am today. I, May 1st, I started. It's just been a great run. I mean, this is part of it. I get to spend, uh, I was in Grand Rapids yesterday with a great group of guys just like this. I was in Valparaiso the day before Indiana with a bunch of guys who are trying to get this started. And I get to be with you all. What a blessing. And I want to encourage you in that, that God has you guys. He's got you. There is not, I don't know what you're dealing with today. I understand. There could be cancer in your family. There could be marriages on the edge of disaster. There could be tax issues. Shoot, there could be crime. I don't know what's in this room, but I could tell looking at this room, there's stuff in this room. And that's not even a judgment. It just happens in every room this size with a bunch of guys. And you need to know in the midst of that. The guy to your right and your left, he's got you. He's got you. We're here for you. And we're only here for you because we have a God in heaven that is here for us. So thanks for letting me be with you today.